We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by betonline.ag and Deal Dash. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers, and joining me tonight, just like every other night, is my co-host and former NFL, NFL defensive back and budding NFL scout, Eric Crocker. What's going on, bro? What's up, man? What's up? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm fine, man. I'm chilling. I'm chilling. My summer break is uh, slowly dwindling away because like, we go to back to uh, – we officially start next week where like all the teachers go back to school and they kind of start getting ready to do their thing. And then, and then, uh, and then a week after that students come back. Now, obviously this year students aren't really coming back as of yet. Um, it's going to start all online, but you know, it, it especially feels weird this year because we stopped having school in March. So I've essentially had like this just crazy amount of, you know, half of March, all of May, or excuse me, all of April, all of May, you know, and then you have my normal summer break, and now it's all of that's fun. It just feels like I haven't worked in forever. So you know, how does that work for you? I mean, you're, you're you're an art teacher, so how does that work with you online? 
Well, there's a lot of stuff. Especially, it's complicated for me for reasons other than being art, but there's a lot of stuff that you can do. Like, you know, I could teach an entire art class with just, you know, a couple of base. All all you would need is a couple pen. Excuse me, a couple pencils and some crayons and some color pencils, and you know maybe a little bit of paint if you wanted to take it a step further. But there's plenty of stuff to learn just with those basic basic supplies. So, um, but the way we're going to likely do it is I also have because I have a pretty busy busy schedule. Most teachers at this level have like a period off where they don't teach for a period. Um, I don't have that. I teach all my periods, but I have two ceramics classes two art classes, an advanced art class for the, the studs. And then I have a collaborative mentoring class where it's like half reg- regular students and half special ed students. And they work together on like everything. It's really awesome. But um, so I have a completely full schedule of a lot of different classes that we have to try and, you know, make, make work. I think we're going to have at some point have like pickups where, Students are going to be required to roll through school and I'm going to be there. And like for my ceramics class, I'm going to give them like enough clay to maybe do like two projects and, you know, some basic tools to work with clay and, you know, stuff like that. And then they're out, you know, they can't even, they wouldn't even be able to get out of their car. We would just, I would like have to like either set it in their car through the window or in their trunk uh, or, in you know, whatever. And then they roll out and I might do the same thing with art supplies. We'll see. And, um, and then like today, just literally just today, we had our schedule sent to us and for the most part, I mean, obviously teaching online is not ideal. I would rather have a classroom in front of me, but times are weird, but it's, it's a pretty ideal schedule. Like they have us normally our our class starts at 730 AM. They've pushed that back to 9 AM to give teachers more time to prepare. And then each class normally is is like on a day where you see every class is like almost an hour. Well, now they're like 30 minutes because, you know, it's because it's through Zoom. And, you know, there's some other things I just don't want to bore you guys with. But it's it's going to be weird, dude. And it's, you know, both my parents are teachers and they taught for 30 something years and and they've never seen anything like this. So right. uh, my dad, my dad doesn't care. He's this is literally his last year before he was retiring. So he's just kind of like, yeah, whatever. Like, it's it's weird. Who cares? Let's go. Let's do this. You know, and because and he's he knows he's right out the door. But um, I told him, I was like, dude, just retire now. Be done with all this crazy stuff. But um, anyways, but oh, I have one more question. Yeah. Roll, roll, roll. Did you ever get your results back for the, the COVID testing? Yeah, I was 100% positive. Oh, wow. Yeah, I joined the club. But I mean, by the time I got my results, and the results actually came pretty quickly. I got tested on a Wednesday, and the results came on Monday. Um, obviously, in, in between those times, I was already assuming I had it, so I was chilling and isolating and all that stuff. Um, um, but right when they when they told me, that I was positive. My symptoms, the last symptom to go away was my taste and smell or to, excuse me, to come back was my taste and smell. And that's back now. So, you know, I've, I've been like, I guess you could say symptom free for a couple weeks now, a week and a half, I guess, and maybe even more, but it was a relatively mild experience for me. You know, it's, but like you, like everybody out there already knows, it's not necessarily about what it was for me, it's what it could be for my parents or my grandparents and stuff like that. So uh, it was interesting. You know, it's it's interesting to say that that I, I I've been there and done that. But you you uh, are a part of history. 
I know, man. I'm hope I'm not part of like some weird part of history where like in like six months they realize that people that get COVID live like six, like, like 30% less than people that don't. <laughs> or something. You know what I mean? Cause then I'd be like, damn it. Like I really got screwed here. But um, no, it was like I said on the last pod, it was a really, really mild experience for me. Losing your taste and smell was one of the most annoying experiences of my life. But other than that, it was, it was just whatever, you know, it was, it was not a big deal, but that doesn't mean it's not a big deal for, for other people. So, um, so yeah, pretty much back to normal now, you know, I, I do want to, you know, one of the things they have said is that can kind of, it can kind of leave not permanent, but long lasting effects on your lungs. So I want to get outside and I don't know, run some routes or, or do some jogging and stuff. And, and see how how I hold up. One, I already know I'm out of shape, but I want to feel see you know see if it's something different. But but anyways, enough about me. You are in the middle of doing legitimate scouting stuff, and I don't think we've talked about it on the pod. So tell why don't you? Because obviously I called you I called you a budding NFL scout in your interview. So or excuse me, introduction. So I why don't you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, uh, yeah, man. I signed up for the scouting report. I mean, scouting report, scouting academy, academy. Rocker reports, scouting academy. <laughs> um, I start. I signed up, and and like it, it's really been amazing. I mean, I I thought that my process of you know evaluating talent, which I, that that's really my passion, like evaluating talent, like obviously like coaching, I love doing that. But just I, I've been watching film when I was like in the fourth grade. I used to watch forty nine games on Sundays. And I would record it on my VHS. And then I would go back throughout the week and just watch the game. So like that, like that's in the fourth grade. Like I was like 10 years old. So that that's just something that's just been always been a part of me. And now it's no different. Now it's just kind of evaluating it. And I, I like the process that I've used, which for the most part, I've evaluated, you know, you guys probably know, but you know, wide receivers and defensive backs. Um, the reason for that is I use myself as a baseline. So I looked at myself, right, 6'1", 6'1 half or whatever, you know, 195 pounds to 200-pound cornerback. And I understood, you know, where I was athletically. I was, you know, 4'5", 40-type guy. Um, and I, I I would look at other – I knew where I was and I knew, like, what, what worked to get – what was hard for me to defend from a receiver's perspective, like what type of receivers I knew – what type of receivers were easier for me to guard using my body type. And then, you know, it's like, I look at other corners and like, dang, I wish I would have had that, or I wish I could have done this, or I wish I, you know, had that or, and all of those different things like combined really helped me evaluate both sides of the ball. So I can look at a corner because of knowing exactly how I was and different things I wish I had or things I was glad I was good at or whatever. Now I can look at film and I can evaluate that and I can really understand somebody's like their upside or their potential or what he's going to struggle with or what he's going to be really good with and vice versa for receivers. I can look at a receiver and say, hey, you know, that guy being able to do this, you know, with that type of size and speed or whatever, like, dang, that's really difficult or that's really special. And that has really helped me. And I think it's shown in a lot of my evals on Twitter, whether whether I'm like right or wrong, but typically I do understand what I'm looking at. and. Obviously, my following has grown a lot um, over the last couple of years because I think a lot of people have taken to um, a lot of my evaluations, even like 
you know, I got guys like Greg Cosell following me and stuff. And I, like, that's amazing to me. Uh, but now I wanted to take it to the next step. And, you know, I think I've said on this podcast where, you know, I had an opportunity, the, uh, a member from the Atlanta Falcons reached out to me and they wanted me to uh, send in my resume for an assistant scouting position. And from there, I was like, you know, I didn't get it. They ended up giving it to two uh, women. I said, you know, I need to bolster up my resume. It's like, this is something that I want to do and something that I'm going to take serious. Then I, I need to do everything that I can do in my power. So obviously I'm back already, you know, finishing to get my degree because they like people to have their degree. Um, and I say, you know what? The Scouting Academy, that, that uh, Scout, yes, Scouting Academy, um, that can open up some different doors for me. Um, you know, from a networking perspective, obviously from a knowledgeable perspective, because you know, in, in the scouting world, they don't, they don't have specialties. They don't have just, oh, you're just going to scout receivers or defensive backs. You have to be able to scout every position. And I felt like the Scouting Academy would kind of take that uh, knowledge of mine to the next level. And, man, I've been learning a ton. Some of it is like, oh, okay, I, I was, you know, I'm, I'm good there. Okay, I, I've been doing that. There, there are a lot of things like that, using context um, with everything. But there are just a lot of other things, uh, the structure of everything, kind of really how the general managers think and stuff. Like, there are a lot of things where I'm learning a ton. And I've only been doing it for uh, eight days now or eight uh, eight, I guess, work days or school days, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Business days. Um, but I've learned so much and I have plenty of notes. Um, I they tell you from the first day to kind of number like your, you know, your best groups and your, you know, your worst that you're, you know, as far as evaluating. My worst is offensive line. And a lot of times I know what I'm looking at, but I don't really know how to, you know, I wouldn't know how to put it in a scouting report. And I chose to do Mike McGlinchey. So I've been watching a ton of Mike McGlinchey, maybe too much because it definitely has changed my perspective on the guy uh, a little bit. But now nah, it, it's been it's been great. And shoot, I have 14 more weeks of this. So, yeah. Well, that's legit, man. Well, and, and like I was what I was telling Crocker in, in, before the pod was like, you know, it's kind of like an, an official you know, notch on your belt as far as scouting goes, the, the scouting academy is. Obviously, most of the people that are listening to us know how good he already is at scouting. And we can obviously all tell that he is very well-versed and has built up a huge knowledge base for himself. But all that is kind of self-made, you know. And while that's also – that's still very, very respectable, you know, for some of these organizations, somebody having – a legitimate kind of stamp of approval from a from a uh, an, an, a scouting academy that has past experience and has gotten people into the league before, you know that 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 might be what they need to see. So, you know, and and I and I've also told him that it's probably going to be really good in the fact that it's going to give him he'll know what they want to hear and how they want to hear it and how they want it written down and you know all this stuff this official stuff that maybe somebody who was self made won't quite know as much, you know? So it's, it's not that I, I think that, you know, if, if I had to start, a, a start a scouting Academy, Crocker be my, my first draft pick. I'd be like, okay, well let's go from here. But right. you know, I, I obviously have a high opinion of what, you know, but at the same time being able to know all the official ways of saying things and know all how, all, you know, how the old, the old folks want to hear it type of deal is, you know, is always, it's always a plus. So, yeah. Um, but anyways, 49ers stuff. 
Um, there's and, and in typical 49ers fashion, they have found a way to give us more to talk about. Despite, I mean, I guess it's now it makes sense. Everybody's reporting back. They're going to training camp. We're having interviews. Now it makes sense to be getting things to talk about. But I feel like the team has done a really, really good job, whether it was positive or negative news, making sure that we always had something to talk about all offseason. Like, there were really only a few, I feel like a few episodes where we had to really kind of like just come up with our own stuff. And like, we haven't even had a mailbag in a while, which we'll have to do pretty soon. But just because every week there's just too, there's plenty of stuff that we need to talk about and, you know, share our thoughts on. So it's been interesting. But um, the big takeaway from a lot of the interviews, and we'll go into a couple of interviews a bit more specifically, uh, Raheem's in particular, um, as well as, as John and Kyle. Um but the big the big takeaway about when everybody was talking about the COVID stuff was, you know, and you've heard this quote a couple times throughout the league already, is like whoever adapts the best to all of this COVID stuff and all of the adjustments and whoever stays the most disciplined and whoever takes it the most seriously, those are that's gonna be the team to win because it's it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, when a team will have, you know, marquee players miss two weeks at least because they either contract COVID or they are, were around somebody that had it. And, you know, so that's why there's been so much emphasis placed on this by the players. And that's why they're all taking it seriously is because it's kind of like, you know, a big, a huge part of the season and a huge part of every team's success. At least these guys believe is going to fall on how well you handled all of these adaptations and how seriously you took it. And it sounds like too, the veteran players are kind of imposing on the younger players, not necessarily that they needed to the seriousness of it all, because no one wants to have their season destroyed because one player went out and, and, and did something he shouldn't have done, you know, and that's, that's kind of what it comes down to is because this is not the NBA. That's don't be confused with like what the NBA is doing. The NBA has all of their players. That's why they call it the bubble. They're trapped inside of a bubble. They can't go out. Who comes in is very tightly regulated. There's extreme measures when it comes to testing. So that's why they can play that game and, and feel comfortable about who's on the court because everything is, is kept within that bubble. The, the, basically, the virus has been denied access to the NBA. You know, That's not to say that it won't work its way in somehow, but... That's kind of and the NFL is not doing that. They are they're going to try and do it in their own way, and they are doing plenty of testing right now. Players are getting tested every single day, and you know I, I'm not exactly sure how it's going to carry on throughout the season, but you know they're going to allow these players to live as close to a normal life during the season as they can. So it's it's going to be interesting to see which team gets affected by this and which team doesn't. You know it's. Um, but the first kind of, you know, ripple effect of a lot of the COVID stuff was, yes, you have a lot of players being being on the COVID list, the watch list. That means they've either contracted it or they've been around somebody that had it. Um, you have that. But right now, that's not a huge deal because right now we're just at the beginning of training camp. There's just walkthroughs. And I put quotes around the air for that because they're not really walkthroughs. I've talked to I've t- I've talked to several players who kind of laughed at the idea of walkthroughs because they're essentially practicing right now. And they, they, they might not be tackling each other, but that doesn't mean they have to walk. Um, 
And the, my point, what I was going to say is the, the player opt-outs are the biggest thing right now. And there's been like 60-something players that have opt out. I opted out, I think. Um, it might be a little bit less than that. I know as of a couple days ago, we were right around 50. And the deadline for that is tomorrow at 1 p.m. And there's been all kinds of... Now, this is typical media stuff, or at least it comes that way to me. There's been a lot of teams, or excuse me, names that have been... Or not even names, but people have floated out the term big names. Like, oh, so a lot of big names considering opting out. And so we'll see tomorrow if that happens. Um, To me, it it seems like a little bit of just making a story out of the opt-out deadline. You know, just like... You've had plenty of free agency deadlines where everybody hits the fan and then nothing really happens. Stuff like that. But um, the 49ers did have, uh, for a while, were one of the few teams with nobody opting out. And then um, Travis Benjamin opted out very recently. And, you know, I don't know, Croc, what do you think, man? What, what does, does, does Travis Benjamin opting out have any real impact on what the 49ers were planning on doing this year? I, I, I think so. Um, most people would say, well, he wasn't going to make the team anyways. I don't think that was the case. And I'm not saying he was going to make it, but I, I think, you know, a veteran like him, there's definitely a you know, a possibility, uh, you know, with the 49ers being so young uh, with, you know, Debo Samuel starting, probably, most likely starting the season off on the pub list. Um, right. And wait, how, how, how long do you have to stay on the pub list or can you come off at any time? I don't remember, man. There's so many different aspects. Yeah, there's so many of that. different rules. But you know, with Debo Samuel starting inactive, right? To start at least, you know, the first or you know, second game. Uh, you know, who who's the 49ers most uh uh vetted the the veteran receiver? I mean, it's Kendrick Bourne. I think right. I believe and it's Kendrick Trent Bourne. Taylor. I mean, but Trent Taylor obviously hasn't played in as many games as Kendrick Bourne, so um, or is probably close because I think Kendrick Bourne's rookie year, he was inactive for maybe like the first 10 games or whatnot. But, uh, you know, there's just a lot of uncertainty even with that group. I, I like the names, um, you know, but you, you don't really know exactly what you're getting. So a guy like him, I think a lot of people wrote him off because the 49ers do have a young uh, and talented, and I say that in the air quotes, uh, receiver group. But I just don't think that there was, you know, just like, oh, there's no way he he, he makes it. I think especially with now with there being, uh, you know, a couple more active roster spots and more people make the team now, uh, they definitely could have kept him. Uh, but it's interesting. You know, now it 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 puts a little bit more, um, I don't want to say stress, but, you know, guys have to be perfect. And there's not a lot of wiggle room or, you know, room for guys, I mean, to have to grow up. First game against the Cardinals. And that's going to be a big game. Uh, It's a divisional game against a team that was definitely very challenging last year, right? I mean, there was two times where they – I don't think the first game was as close as they kind of made it look at the end. But that second game, I mean, (laughs) you know, it took a 49ers a a game-winning drive. They were down 16-0 out the the gate. 49ers were – so um, very talented Cardinals team that looked like they got better. Uh, it's just you, your receivers, you, you need them. Now, you bring in Reed, and you have, obviously, you know, Kittle, so you could probably do more two tight end sets. Uh, I think the 49ers still figure out a way, but gosh. I, I, I don't want to make it seem like Benjamin is just like, oh, man, what are we going to do? But 
I, I think you know there there is a little bit there. I think it does put a little bit more pressure on a lot of the younger guys. Well, right, because you had Travis Benjamin, who's kind of like a known quantity at this point. You know, he's a, and he's a speed guy too, which we know Kyle Shanahan at least appreciates. And you know, be, like we said. It, Kendrick Bourne was the most senior member behind him, which is kind of silly, you know, and, uh, you know, Brandon Ayuk might be a, a talented guy, but he's just getting there and he's a rookie. We have no idea what to expect out of Jalen Hurd, who looks promising, but, you know, it seems like he's healthy and ready to roll, but we'll see. We Again, you just don't know what to expect. Uh, Dante Pettis has been all over the place. At one point, it looked like the next wide receiver run, but obviously has fallen off since there and seems to have lost a lot of confidence. So who's, who knows what, what what kind of form he shows up in. Then you have Trent Taylor, who we know was was dominant at one point, you know, whether it, you know, whether he had went that first little connection he showed off when Jimmy G first showed up or when, you know, he dominated that training camp last offseason before his foot injury. So there's just so many question marks. Could it all work out? Of course. Um you know, we'll see when when Debo, what form Debo comes in when he comes back. But it, it's just there's a lot of question marks, and you never know how the team's feeling about a guy like Travis Benjamin and what kind of role they had planned for him going forward. So I mean, sure, it's really easy to say, oh, well, he wasn't going to make the team, you know. So sure, you know, maybe he wasn't, but we don't know that for sure, and we don't know what's going to happen between now. And then, and whether or not they were going to need him, because again, we're we're doing this whole thing with COVID, and we have no idea what it, when it's going to impact a player or a group or a team, and you never know who you're going to need at any point. So it, you know, it's 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 too easy to say that to me because it's just there's a lot of unpredictable factors right now. Even if COVID didn't exist, to me, the 49ers group of wide receivers would be kind of like one big question mark. There's just a lot where you that you don't know with a lot of these players, how it's going to turn out. So another thing I want you to talk on croc is um, the 49ers. So obviously during the off season, DJ Reed tore his pectoral muscle and he was already expected to miss the season. Well, the 49ers um, waived him with an injury designation, a non-football injury designation um, in the hopes of, I'm assuming stashing him on their, you know, their injured reserve and, you know, being able to save his his little bit of salary cap throughout the season. Well, they waived him. And normally, I say normally, but obviously there's been examples of this happening before. When you waive a player that's injured, you're kind of expecting nobody to claim him, and then you put him on your injured reserve. Well, here come the Seahawks, and they swooped up DJ Reed. So he is no longer on the 49ers. They're going to have him, I'm assuming, on his roster for – the remainder of the season, you know, he won't be playing obviously because he's hurt, but, but he'll be on the Seahawks now. So tell me Crocker why that may be, you might not necessarily agree with it, but tell me why that might be a bigger deal than a lot of people think it is. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's, I think it's not so much a big deal for the 49ers, but it is a really good signing for the Seahawks. Um, the reason for that is, you know, DJ Reed, he's a very versatile player. Um, he plays all positions in the secondary. He plays outside corner. He plays slot, plays safety. Um, you know, he can play single high. Uh, he's a physical, you know, aggressive player. He also can do kickoff returns. We watched him uh, return the kickoff against uh, the Detroit Lions for a touchdown. So I, I just think he's he's a good football player. And, you know, obviously I've been going through the scout report, uh, scout, uh, uh, scouting academy. And... 
you know, he would be labeled like a, a three or four out of seven. And that that that's that's a player that, you know, he's going to win some matchups, might not win all of them, but you see the potential there and you see the versatility there and you see that he clearly has an area where, you know, he can be very useful. And, I, yeah, I, I think that's DJ Reed. Now, the issue with the 49ers is just all the positions that he would play, they're just kind of – they just kind of have guys everywhere, right? So you look at outside corner, you know, obviously you have um, Richard Sherman, you have Emmanuel Mosley and Akella Witherspoon, so it's kind of hard to, to play there. And, they've, you know, they've drafted some young guys. they got Jason Verrett. So it's just kind of hard to squeeze them in there. In the nickel, you have Kewan Williams, but you also have – uh, Emmanuel Mosley, that's really good there. And you have uh, Ward, who can slide down there and play. So it's kind of a little bit loaded there. And then, you know, when you talk about, you know, the free safety spots, uh, you have, you know, Ward and you have Tarverius Moore. So I, I think with the 49ers, it was just a little tough because I think they have a, a, a group that they know they can win with. Uh, but with the Seahawks, they might not have as much certainty, especially with, uh, the cornerback Dunbar looks like he's not going to play. So they're probably going to have to roll with Trey Flowers and Griffin. And I don't know how much they like the guys behind them. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. Obviously, he won't play until it looks like November. So, you know, they'll have some time to maybe figure it out. But I think the depth of the 49ers is not not like it's like great. But I think, you know, a guy like uh, uh, DJ Reed, I think he was going to, struggle a bit to stay on the field. But, I mean, we are talking about somebody who, he was active in the Super Bowl. So this is a guy that they definitely used. Right, and the, the big thing to me is is behind, it puts a little bit of pressure on the 49ers to make sure they can keep Kwan Williams around. You know, and I, I don't even know if that was an option before this. You know, and, and it's not, you know, it's it's somewhere in between. You know, I don't know if the 49ers considered DJ Reed a, a candidate to start next season. Let's say he doesn't get claimed by the Seahawks and they roll out the season. Kwan Williams is an impending free agent and he's had a really, really, really good career with the 49ers. And I would be willing to bet that he is on a lot of teams radar radars as far as somebody they, they'd be interested in. He's been one of, if not the best nickel corner in the NFL it, during a lot of his tenure with the 49ers, he's been really good in, in, in all aspects of the game. So it's, it, I don't know if he's going to price him, especially with the Kittle stuff coming up with the, the salary cap reductions. And I don't know if the 49ers had plans to keep him around. Um, but I don't know if DJ Reed played into that equation. And I also don't know if the 49ers are kicking themselves in the butt right now saying, okay, we just gave away our most experienced player behind Kwan Williams, somebody, and like I said, I don't know if they, they saw him as a player that, that could step in after Kwan Williams may or may not be back. So I don't know. I, I just don't know where that falls on a level of importance for the team. But, you know, stuff like that becomes rather important, especially having guys on rookie contracts or on cheaper contracts. When, when all of this salary cap, cap stuff starts to bump up against the wall. So it's it'll be interesting to see where that situation kind of goes. Um, but another big news, Crocker already kind of mentioned it, but the 49ers signed 
former Washington tight end Jordan Reed, which is very interesting. And what I'm going to do is we're going to give you your th- our thoughts on this signing after the break, after a quick word from our sponsors. I'm trying to just like sound like a, a stupid commercial, like, like when they're about to tell you the good stuff and they go to the commercial. Like they do that all the time on Chopped on Food Network. Like they're about to lift the plate to find out who's going to get chopped and commercial. You know, it's it's like it's like their thing. Like it's like they know they're, what they're doing. Of course they do. But anyways, quick word from our sponsors. Sports. We obviously know sports are on our on their way back. We're seeing them. We're actually watching live sports on TV. It's happening. So are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week. No better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with Return of Sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Horry. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series called Bandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. BetOnline is your online wagering expert. And joining BetOnline on our sponsor lineup is DealDash. So have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best and most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over a thousand auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. So you go to DealDash.com and use the offer code STRIKE, STRIKE, S-T-R-I-K-E, or DealDash.fm forward slash STRIKE. That's DealDash, D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M forward slash STRIKE. S-T-R-I-K-E. I know that's a lot to take in, but that's where we're at. So anyways, Jordan Reed, Crocker, what are your thoughts, man? You know, I like it. When the Niners um, got him, I text my brother, who he's a Dallas Cowboy fan. And, uh, oh man, I wish I'd have had the... <laughs> The text message pulled up, but but basically my brother said he's never going to play. He's always hurt, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Well, he looks he looks." Uh, I was like, "Well, he looks healthy right now," and my brother said, "Even when he's healthy, he's still hurt." <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so obviously, you know, best case scenario, I I want to say he's better than the reserve guys that the 49ers have now, right? Um, 49ers, one thing uh, I noticed while watching a lot of 49ers film, they do a lot of two tight end sets. And obviously, you have Ross Dwelly out there. Now, Ross Dwelly was fine. But I think when you the thought, and I say the thought because I haven't watched Jordan Reed uh, closely lately, 
And obviously, you know, he's dealt with injuries, but the thought of him and what I know he was capable of doing before is it's a higher level, you know, talent than Ross Dwelly. Uh, and that's not a slight at Dwelly. Uh, I, I think, you know, Jordan Reed for a while, people were looking at him like, you know, hey, he's in the maybe a tier two of tight ends in the league. I don't think his projection ever reached that because he's just wow. hurt. You know a lot, but uh, just his ability—you see his ability to kind of separate and you know win matchups uh, in space. So now you have, you know, when you have two tight end sets now, and you have two guys that are capable of doing that. Obviously, uh, Kittle a much more explosive version of it. Um, I, I just think it's a it's a really good pickup for the 49ers, and it, it just adds to weapons. And I mean, gosh. Just a few years ago, the 49ers were rolling out uh, some Chris, some guy named Chris Harper and, uh, gosh, who else? Jeremy Curley. Jeremy Curley. Uh, Sean, Sean Drone. Yeah, Sean Drone. Uh, DJ Harris. I mean, you know, but looking at the team now and the guys that, you know, will be playing the bulk of the season, there are just a lot more weapons. And when you, you match that up with – you know, the 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 play caller, you know, and Kyle Shanahan and kind of what he likes to do and what he's able to do with this team. Uh it's it's really exciting. So I like it. I again I like the thought of Jordan Reed. I don't know if he'll be what he was before, but I know, you know, if he's anything close to it, and he looks good. I've watched workout videos, looks like he's light on his feet, looks like he's moving well. Um, obviously it looks like he's healthy, but at this time, you know, a lot of people are healthy. And with him, it seems like it only takes one hit for him to not be healthy and miss the rest of the year. So we're going to uh, knock on wood there and hope that that doesn't happen. But uh, I like I like the signing uh, just because I, I do think it, you know, as a tight end to in those two tight end sets, I, I think that's 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 pretty good. man. It's pretty good. <laughs> that's like that's you need to put that on your your scouting notebook right there. You're like, hey man, this guy's this guy's pretty good. All right. <laughs> good. <laughs> um, no, I'm right there with you. I, I I mean, to me, it's like, why not? Like, you know, he got. They, I don't believe they've released like kind of the intricacies of the deal, but he it was reported that it was very incentive laden, meaning he's probably signed for vet minimum of a guy that's been in the league as long as he has with a lot of incentives should he get, you know, should he prove healthy and be a big part of the offense, which is a perfect deal for a guy in his situation. And you're talking about a guy that at one point was considered, like like Croc said, a, a top tight end in the NFL. In his best season, and this was in 2015, um, he spent his entire career in Washington. He had 114 targets, uh, 87 catches for 952 yards, and 11 touchdowns. Now, like those are big boy numbers right there, you know, and that's, and he averaged almost 11 yards per reception. So he, you know, those are, those are good numbers. And then even in, you know, when the games, when he wasn't, now he, the, the thing I need to make sure I say right off the bat, even though that isn't right off the bat, uh, he suffered seven concussions, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And that is a lot. And that's where it gets to the point where, you know, you're, your your random fan or even other players, you know, they just don't want to see somebody get hurt in that sense. You know, like obviously it's always unfortunate watching somebody get hurt, you know, whether they bang up their knee or whatever it is. But when you're talking about somebody's brain and their ability to mentally process everyday things and 
you know, obviously, no matter what, it's Jordan's choice. He's going to do what he wants to do. It's it's his life. He's going to roll if he wants to roll. But, you know, you just don't want to see a guy like that who's had such a significant con- concussion history come in here and just add one more to the list. You know, at the same time, you also want you want to root for an underdog, somebody who's kind of obviously had a lot of talent and has been injured. And there's been under injuries, too. But, you know, obviously his primary injury is, is his head. So. Um, but even last last season he played, he didn't play in 2019, but in 2018, you know, even in that season, he had 54 catches for 560 yards and two touchdowns. So he was he was still a significant part of the offense and he's and he was averaging 10.3 yards a catch. It just obviously wasn't, you know, what he what he once was. And, and it's probably hard to have the season before that he only played in six games. And in that in 2018, he played in 13. So it's just a matter of. It's it's probably hard to generate the momentum that he was once generating when you've suffered through that many injuries and and teams have essentially had to you know make plans without you essentially so um, we'll see I mean I'll, I'll read you through a little Twitter exchange right now um, former NFL safety Tony Jefferson said immediately tweeted out Sheesh George Kittle and Jordan Reed please don't overlook how dangerous of a duo that is. And then Eric Weidel, obviously safety, who finished his career, I believe, on the Ravens. Um, he replied to him and said, nasty, big problems ahead. And then Jefferson replied back, I wonder what team defense teams are going to come out in. And then Weddle replied, you got to go nickel, align nickel to Reed and safety down on Kittle. And then um, Tony Jefferson's reply to that was, that safety better have a great week of practice. And, uh, and so that's, I mean, that's what the 49ers are hoping. Obviously they, 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 if, if things don't work out with Reed, then they, they fall right back to where they were, where they got Charlie Werner, who they drafted, uh, this year. And then they have Ross Dwelly and whoever else might be able to work their way in there and compete. So it's, to me, it's, it's a no brainer. Like if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. As long as that's not at the expense of Jordan Reed's health, that's not what I'm saying, but it, it could be dangerous. And Jordan yeah. Reed is, if you don't know, he's like a big ass wide receiver, yeah. and he he moves well, and he's he can still handle dude. himself. He's wild. Yeah, he, he is. He is. He's just a big. He's probably got huge shoulders. But he moves like but, a basketball um, player, like doing crossover moves. Like that's what it always looked like to me when he was out there running. Right, he around. probably could have been the center. Yeah. Is is I mean, he's only six. He's only six two, six three. So you know, obviously, that's not necessarily basketball center player high, you know height but at the same time it's kind of just what he how he plays he's just a big dude he's a big receiver and if it works out that's that's a problem you know that's that's two very 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 talented players um and that's what the 49ers are betting on and for them it's an easy bet to make because they're not spending a lot of money there's really no downside to it and uh, like it was like see from there. based right What's that? Yeah, yeah. It was all based on incentives. So he's only going to get paid more if he does more. And if, and if he's doing more, the 49ers don't mind paying him more. It's just kind of goes back and forth like that. So, um, all right. So in addition to Jordan Reed, the 49ers, I don't believe it's official, but they're also expected to sign Dion Jordan, former Seahawks and Raiders pass rusher. And to me, there's there were a lot of people that were like trying to overthink this one. And he's just a, a he's 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 a quality rotational player behind D Ford and Nick Bosa. He's and, and, and you know the 49ers suffered when they didn't have someone 
decent to step in behind Ford or replace Ford or relieve Bosa. Um, you know, when they lost Ronald Blair to a torn ACL, um, when Demontre Moore got hurt and could no longer play because in the short time he stepped in, he had a big, pretty big impact. So it's it's just a guy to come in and be able to keep those guys fresh. You got any you got any opposing views there, Croc? Mm, nah. I mean, just <laughs> you know, it, I was looking at it, and there were a lot of people like, "What does this mean for D Ford? Have you seen those like the like no, D Ford's gonna get cut? Not, like, no, D Ford's not. Okay, gonna I, yeah, yeah, not. yeah. I gotta keep that in my brain. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, you know, it's, you look at the 49ers and, and, and their lack of, of depth at the defensive end position. I think for whatever reason, it kind of went under the radar. But when Ronald Blair went down, the 49ers were kind of scrambling for a reserve edge rusher. They signed right. somebody off the streets named Zettel. Um, they obviously, you know, they had uh, Demontre Moore uh, that they had ended up signing. But the, the, the depth was really weak at that position. And for a while, they were really scrambling. And that was with, uh, you know, D Ford uh, missing some games. So, you know, a, a signing like this, I think obviously, you know, ideally you would want, you know, Blair to be 100%, but we don't know what he's going to be, right? He's coming off of a, a torn ACL that he tore in the middle of last year. So, and that was your that's your primary uh, reserve edge rusher. Now, where the 49ers kind of missed, I guess, Solomon Thomas, uh, because, you know, you thought he would be able to do that and he just can't. Uh, and he's definitely hasn't been like a full-time guy inside. So, you know, you, the 49ers are just really lacking at uh, depth uh, as rushers. And I think Dion helps at least with that. Not saying he's going to have like some big impact role, but hey, you know, if he can get on this line and sometimes, you know, you know, if I'm Dion and I'm I'm on, you know, at defensive end on the left side, not look and I'm like, okay, hey, next to me, that's Eric Armstead. Oh, right there. That's, uh, you know, 13th overall pick. Uh, uh, Javon Kinlaw. Oh, over there is Nick Bosa. Like, that's going to make me more motivated to get to the <laughs> fire And up. he has that type of ability. So I think if he's ever going to excel, <laughs> this is the perfect landing spot. If you can't excel on a line with these guys, then you're you're probably just not not good. <laughs> well, I, to, while, it's, while it's in my head, before I forget about it, the first thing you said was, you know, is, is this signing doesn't affect – other things along the defensive line. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything about D Ford. And the same thing I forgot to say about Jordan Reed. Jordan Reed has nothing to do with George Kittle's contract. I can't, I got way too many replies of people going, well, I guess this means they're not going to resign George Kittle. Like, no, no, of course it doesn't mean that. For lack of a better term, like Crocker said, they signed a guy off the street for a very little price and gave him some incentives, said, here, if you do good, we'll pay you more. What does that have to do with soon to be the league's highest paid tight end by a lot? Like, they're just not, they're not even on the same ballpark. Nothing they're giving Jordan Reed is going to mess up anything they're going to give George Kittle. And on that note, you know, kind of an easy segue into our, our next kind of just talking about the round of interviews the 49ers have had. Um, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan spoke to the media for the first time um, in a while, since the Super Bowl, I assume, somewhere around there. Um, basically, and, and there wasn't a whole lot of revelating takeaways, but 
you know, one thing they did say is John Lynch said the the 49ers and the organization were going to completely s- support whatever players wanted to do during the national anthem, which if I had to guess, some some will kneel, some will stand. Doesn't It, it shouldn't matter either way as, as long as each player is given the right to express themselves, how, how they feel, how they see fit. Um, so that was, you know, a, 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 a little shred of positivity, and I understand there are people out there that believe that's not positive, but to each their own. And then – uh, they were also asked about George Kittle's contract. And both of them just, it wasn't a long point of, of you know, obviously John Lynch made sure to say that, you know, some of this stuff needs to be kept between the team, a player and his agent. But it, it seemed like a foregone conclusion that they were going to get it done. They both seemed very, very confident. John Lynch said it makes too much sense not to. Kyle Shanahan didn't seem concerned at all. Like, not as in, like, it's not as in he doesn't care concern. He just thinks... Like, dude, we're gonna sign George Kittle. That's that's kind of the, the impression I got from the way he talked about it. Like everybody knows and we know what George Kittle means to this offense and means to this team. Kyle Shanahan said, I- I'm not too concerned about it. Like, we'll get it done. It's it's going to be the type of contract that breaks barriers as far as the tight end market and what tight ends have ever been paid before and, and all that stuff. And it just takes time to work to a number that both sides are going to be able to say yes to. So they made sure they emphasized that it was good to get together. You know, obviously everybody had been separated. They couldn't go around each other. This was the first time that players and, and coaches and, and the front office were allowed to be together. And they, they just said it was good to sit down and talk to him and see where his head was at. And, you know, that can make a big difference in these types of negotiations because you get to it's way more personal. You get to see the look on on people's faces when they're saying something, you know, and you can just communicate what you want a lot better, obviously, face to face. So, you know, that they made sure they mentioned out. They mentioned that. And one thing and I I, I like Mike Silver. He's, he's I, I'm, I'm a fan of his. I've met him a couple of times, um, but he just tweeted a little bit ago. I think let me go. Let me make sure I get it back. He's hinting, hinting, and like I said, this this sound plays a little bit like making something out of the opt-out deadline, but he's kind of like hinting like George Kittle may be using the opt-out. He says, okay, he says, as I said last week on NFL Network, 49ers tied in George Kittle, another 2017 draftee who stands to be vastly underpaid in year four of his rookie deal, has a similar calculation to make before tomorrow's 1 p.m. Pacific deadline. Um, And that was in response to another tweet saying, Bill's cornerback Tredavious White said he's undecided on whether he'll opt out, who's another guy that wants to get paid. So I don't necessarily think there's anything to gleam from that. Like I said earlier, it seems a little bit like, ooh, the opt-out deadline's coming. Let's make sure we get our reads. Let's make sure we get our views. Let's make sure we say things that are going to, Going to ruffle feathers a little bit. Could George Kittle opt out? Sure, I guess. It, but it, it would surprise me. I don't know, Croc. What do you think, man? Yeah, no, it definitely uh, would surprise me as well. I, I... <laughs> well, <laughs> that's kind of what I did. I just went. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's. I. I mean, I, I. I could see it if he feels like that disrespected, and I don't know what reports to believe anymore. Um, I've heard, you know, obviously good, like, well, oh, it's about to, it's a done deal. Then I've heard, oh no, they're just way far apart. Um, oh, don't even, don't even get me started on some of these quote unquote reports. 
right. you've been hearing about because they're not from people who should be saying they've heard anything. But right. anyways, that's that's a different conversation. You get me. So, you know, it's just I I don't know, man. I mean, I just feel like it's something that's gonna get done. I think one thing is very clear. Both sides want to get it done. I don't think this is a situation where um, they want to disrespect him. I think uh, Parag Marate is used to kind of getting deals done the way he wants to, and maybe he has to deviate from that a little bit. Yep, uh, yep, w- I agree. W- with this one, and kind of just, hey, you know, just give Kittle what he wants. He's the seventh best, according to the players, the seventh best player, you know, in the National Football League. So he might just have to kind of forget how he usually gets deals done and just do whatever he has to do to get this one done. Well, and George Kittle's not your usual player. Yeah, I don't think I want to, I don't want to play hardball with George Kittle. He's such a fun guy. He's such like he's the face of the franchise. Uh clearly the best player on this team. I mean, just get it just get it done. And it sounds like it's not anything crazy. Remember there are a lot of people um when this whole thing uh started saying oh it's going to be you know, twenty million a year. It doesn't seem like it's that. Uh, it seems like, excuse me. It seems like it's less than that. But I, I don't even want to throw any numbers out there because I, you know, obviously I, I don't know. I, I don't know. But you know, if it's somewhere around sixteen million dollars a year, man, just 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 give them the money. <laughs> just give them the money. You don't have a you right. don't have a big name receiver that you're paying. So just pay them the sixteen million. Obviously, that's still way less than. Uh, some of these big name receivers are getting that are, you know, that he's more productive than I'd say pay him and, and, and get this thing over with. Because I mean, we, you've, we've both been there for training camp, man, the, the energy this guy brings, uh, it looks like he just loves being a 49er. And I, I would hate to see him disgruntled because as much as we think this is going to get done, when you piss somebody off, you you we don't know that side of George Kittle. You know what I'm saying? And that could right. be a petty George Kittle. That could be a George Kittle that um, you know, he goes from being a really cool guy and everybody loves him to somebody that's just like, like, I'm angry, I'm mad, like don't fuck with me. And I'm gonna play this season out and like, <laughs> you know, and then that's it. You know, you just don't know what kind of guy you're gonna get. So um Obviously, I don't think he's that type of guy, but you know, we just don't know because everything's been so good. Right. And I also would like to issue a disclaimer. I don't know if you could hear that earlier, but my chair is really creaky. And when it creaked this time, it almost sounded like a fart, like the Jim Tom Sula fart. So I just mm-hmm. wanted to let everybody know that that was my chair creaking. Sure. And <laughs> and I would I would never disrespect y'all and rip one in the middle of a podcast loud enough for my microphone to pick it up. But you know, I'm just, I just want to put that out there because it's the truth and I, I wouldn't lie to you guys. Um, sure. <laughs> Scouts of honor. Is that what they say? No, I wasn't a scout. Okay. So I don't even have that going for me. Um, <laughs> so the last thing I want to talk about was, um, I, and it doesn't really surprise me, but the, the, the interview so far to me that had the most substance was Raheem's today. Um, he talked for a while and, and I think that if you go and watch that interview or listen to it, um, it's on the team's YouTube, it's on their website. Um, you'll see kind of 
what I what I already know, and I think a lot of people already know this, but the guy is just a good dude through and through. And he talked so eloquently about, you know, this whole situation and how he had to make some very, very tough decisions. And the, one of the main problems, one of the leading problems to me with a lot of NFL fans is you can tell they do not think of these players as people. This isn't a race thing. This isn't a, this isn't a, I'm not making this, you know, a bold claim. You can just tell by the way fans consistently talk. Some fans, not all fans. I don't want to offend anybody who's already got their head right. Some fans don't understand that these players are people with families and hopes and dreams and have worked so incredibly hard to get to this moment. Harder than a lot of us can ever imagine and harder than a lot of us will ever work to get to this moment. And, and, you know, you see a lot of comments come out when a player like did what Raheem did recently. And that was request to be traded after negotiations didn't go well. And you could just pick up on a lot of those human qualities that I think a lot of fans miss when you listen to a guy talk, you know, and, and he just, he's just a guy wanting to support his family, you know? And, and when we first talked about Raheem's trade request, I had plenty of negative things to say about it in terms of what it could mean for him in his career. But the type of person and and the reasons he was asking for it were never really in question. You know, everybody understood, or, or at least I hoped you'd understand that his is they just had a, a baby boy. He was about a year and a half, I think, maybe coming up closer to two, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. And he's got another one on the way right now that's due in September or October, and he's just trying to support his family. And he has basically left them in Ohio. Cleveland, Ohio, Cleveland. I, mean, I guess it's the same thing, but um, basically left them over there because he doesn't feel confident he can protect them from this virus here in California, or, or at the very least, he doesn't feel confident that he can protect himself and then not bring it home to them. So they, he has essentially left his family on the other side of the country so that he can come here and play for the 49ers and earn that paycheck and take care of his family. And, you know, he just talked about how much it meant to him to, one, be on this team. And having spoken to him personally many times, I know how much it means for him to be on this team. I know how much he wanted to make it work. And even if he requested a trade, that's not what he wanted to do. It was his way of just trying to spur action. And sure, it could have bit him in the ass and they would have said, okay, we'll ship you off then. And that would have sucked. And I know he wouldn't have been happy with that. But everything got worked out. He's super pumped to be on the team. And and I think he made some statements today that – He's kind of ready to back up what he was willing to go through in the offseason. Like, he wants to be the guy. And he openly said that. He's like, I'm the starting running back. I expect 20-plus carries a game. Now, is, is that what he's going to get? Maybe, because we've seen what he can do when you feed him. But at the same time, Kyle Shanahan's offense is real diverse. They go with whatever's going to get him the win in that individual week and whatever's part of the game plan. But it was just cool to, to see – because he talked for almost 20 minutes, I believe. And it was just – and, and he was very eloquent and he was very honest and he was, you could tell he was speaking with his emotions about a lot of things. And, you know, he just, he said himself, he's like, I want to be a bad mofo and I want people on defense to know that when I step out on the field, I'm not messing around, you know, and, and me and Crocker have had some conversations in recent pods. Like people don't understand really quite how fast Raheem Mostert is and, and, and how he succeeds because he's not, He's not like a cut running back. He's not like a, a Barry Sanders that's going to make a dude disappear right in front of him type of deal and send him flying by breaking his ankles. But he's got just a, a, a very uncommon speed and a very unorthodox way of running. 
and he's he's perfectly ready to take on that role. He put on a little bit of weight as far as muscle goes, you know, trying to prepare his body for an increased workload. And and he said he basically is going to approach this just like he approached special teams. Like, look, I approached special teams like I was going to be the best special teams player to ever do it. And so now that things have, have shifted towards being the starting running back, now I'm going to approach being the starting running back better than anybody else is doing it. So, I mean, that's kind of interesting, and that should kind of get a lot of fans fired up. What do you think, man? What do you think, Croc? Man, you know, I'm excited. I'm looking at his numbers right now, and, like, it, it looks like anytime he got a decent amount of carries, he ran very well. So second game of the season, well, first of all, not first, first game of the season, he had nine carries against Tampa. 40 yards. Um, but second game of the season against Cincinnati, 13 carries for 83 yards and 68 yards receiving. So, I mean, that's over 150 yards um, right right there. Uh, the second game against Pittsburgh, 12 carries, 79 yards. But he did fumble that game. Uh, so, it, you know, I'm looking at a trend here, and then his carries start dropping off. So against Cleveland, he only had seven carries. Uh, L.A., four carries. Washington, zero. And then Carolina, nine carries for 60 yards. So he started getting the ball again a little bit again. Uh, and then he went through uh, Arizona, one carry. Like, how do you go from nine carries for 60 yards and a touchdown to one carry? And then the next <laughs> game. And then the next. So the next, we'll say this. Over a stretch of four straight games, he had. 12, 18, 19 total carries over four games. And then, I don't know what happened, but starting with Baltimore, they gave him the ball 19 times, and he ran for 146 yards. So, in the four games prior to Baltimore, 19 carries. And then, uh, then in the Baltimore game, 19 carries, 146 yards, and a touchdown. The next game, against New Orleans, 10 carries, 69 yards. The next game, Atlanta, uh, 14 carries, 54 yards. That was that was like you know one of his like worst when he had like a realistic amount of carries. You know that was probably the lowest yards per carry. Uh, then the Rams again, 11 for 53, and then Seattle 10 for 57, and then he got into the playoffs and 12 for 58. And then this is the big one because I'm pretty sure a lot of people are saying, well, he he can't handle a lot of carries. Well, so far it looks like when he does have a lot of carries, he runs well. So I, I talked about Baltimore. That was 19 for 146. Against Green Bay, 29 carries for 220 yards. And I was mm. so it's like I think people just talk out their ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's really and, all it comes down to, man. And and you don't know what you don't know. That's why I'm always like on the end of you, you know, we don't know what this guy can be until he's really given that opportunity. And I hear a ton of people, he can't be a three-down back. He can't be a three-down back. And my thing is, like, why can't he? Because anytime he's gotten a decent amount of carries, he's shown that he can be really good. And he's shown that he can be really effective. And it seems like the more carries he gets, there are more opportunity for him to break off a big run, which he typically does. So, you know, if he is the guy, like, I'm, I'm excited to see that because this is a very explosive back. Uh, like you said, you know, and Marquise Goodwin, I guess, told him, like, dude, you're probably the fastest player in the NFL. Like, he's fast like that. He really reminds me, and I try not to throw it out there because I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. And I think I've said on the podcast already, but he really reminds me of, like, Chris Johnson. Like, his running style, how he kind of runs is a little upright, 
but it's and it, and it looks like they're just kind of gliding. Like it doesn't look like they're really running fast until you look at the people chasing them and you look at the angles that it you know that uh, <laughs> they, they, they break. And it's just like man, it's it's a weird running style, and it's not like really like a real powerful running style. But man, both those guys are really explosive. And again, I don't want to compare him to Chris Johnson. I mean, that's somebody that you know he ran for over two thousand yards, but you know they 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 have similar styles. And man, I I would like to see Mostert get more carries, and I wouldn't be mad at all if he's the guy that gets a bulk of the carries. And there are a lot of people that think like, oh, Kyle doesn't give guys the ball like, like bullshit. Because I'm looking at it right here: 29 carries for 220 yards, 19 carries for 146 yards. So there are games where they will get more carries, and I just would like to see more of that. You know, when it comes to Raheem Mostert, I started laughing. Uh, I don't know. I mean, because uh, you didn't really make a joke, but I started laughing because when you said how fast he was and how he's moving out there, and when you see how fast he's going compared to other people, I instantly thought of the longest yard with Adam Sandler, and where that that old prison the the rat is like like he's fast. He's 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 really really fast, and I mean he makes fast people look not fast. <laughs> like <laughs> that. That's that's what the way you were describing Raheem reminded me of that scene. I'm, I have a weird, crazy thing for movie quotes, so it's like every time anybody ever says anything that reminds me of, and and I'm obviously I love that movie. But I did that at work the other day. Um, the, they told me to tap something. They were like, "Can you just tap it in?" And I was like, "Tappy tap 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 tap, you know tap it in tap little give it a little tappy." Yeah, <laughs> see, you know, I was mad that my coworker didn't know what it was, but that's what I said out loud. And he's just looking at me like, what are you talking about? Like, that's disappointing because that is, right, that's a, such a classic movie. Little tap, tap, tap a <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's awesome. one of my favorite movies, so. My mom, my brother, and myself will, I mean, it doesn't happen all that often, but we'll randomly challenge each other. And it's all on 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 the honor system, but we'll just randomly text movie quotes to each other. And you know, when you get one, that you have to guess what movie it's from. And we're all, like I said, we all are are under the honor system that we're not just going to Google it. Um, but nine times out of ten, we can always get it because we just have some weird movie quote thing. But Adam Sandler movies like Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison, um, Longest Yard is, isn't necessarily considered a classic, but I'm always quoting those things. Goddamn alligator bit my hand off. You know, just just constantly. <laughs> happy, happy Gilmore is one of the best, man. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so. Uh, Raheem, Raheem, just, man. just give it. When I was a kid, I read the this ball. book. Just give him the ball. Right. I, I read the book by Keyshawn Johnson. And Keyshawn Johnson, I don't even know why I read this book, but I did read it. Because um, I was young. I was what, like maybe eighth grade. But I read Keyshawn Johnson's book. And the book was called Just Give Me the Damn Ball. And that's how I feel about Raheem Mostert. I just have to see it. Now, if it doesn't work out, like, great. But it's just weird to see somebody be successful every time they get a good amount of carries. And when they do touch the ball, more times than not, good things happen. You know, I, I just, I just, I got to see it. Prove me wrong. Prove me, prove me wrong. Prove me, like, hey, if he has too many carries, then he can't be successful or he is going to break down. I just at least at least let me see it. I just need to see it. Right. And I'm probably gonna jump on I, I've got my Xbox Live app on my computer and he's playing Warzone right now. So right when we get done recording and we get this all wrapped up, I'll probably jump in there right now and tell him tell him that he did a good job in his press conference. But um 
he's just, like I said, he's just a good dude. And he had some other quotes where he talked about, you know, like he saw that video and I tweeted this video out too, that, that video of George Kittle standing on the sideline and knowing the Super Bowl was over, you know, basically saying like, you will not defeat me. This will not be the end of me. I will be back here. And, uh, and the next time I'm going to be, and he says, I'm going to be back here with a not safe for work, a motherfucking vengeance, you know? And, and when somebody like George Kittle says that, I believe him, you know, and, and talks cheap, but when it, it depends on how a guy does his talking. Um, and Raheem said the same thing cause he saw that video and he's like, I don't give a damn what people say about returning to the Super Bowl. Well, that's what we think we're going to do. And we think we're going to win it in dominating fashion. You know, and it's there's obviously anybody can say that, but when it's coming from a team that obviously still has the firepower to do it, it can mean something. You know, and uh, and he also went on to to clarify that when that report came out that Raheem met with a high ranking member of the 49ers, uh, I even said it on here. Of course, it was John Lynch, and it was John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. He confirmed that and just said that that they did very little talking about contracts. And they talked a lot more about each other's families and where everybody was at. And Kyle Shanahan apparently had just lost his grandparents. And and they just talked about their families. And, and obviously, like I said earlier, sometimes just getting together and talking and, and, and seeing each other's face or, or at least, I mean, at the very least over Zoom, whatever they have to do, that can clear the air. And you can, you can really get an idea of what somebody's intentions are and where their heart is. And that can make the difference, you know, like. There's there there are NFL players out there that just want to get that money and, and more power to them. But there are also NFL players out there who's it's their heart and their soul and it's their life, and they they want to get paid, but they also just want their chance. And if 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 I had to, that's the side I'd place Raheem on for sure because obviously he wants to take care of his family. But no man gets cut by six teams and sticks around because of the money. You know right. what I mean? Like he, he wants to eat and he wants his chance to to be dominant. So, I mean, it's obvious that this podcast is, uh, is big, our big Raheem Mostert fans. I'm, but, I'm big on good players, man. And he, he just, and good people. Too. I, I want to see him get a shot like that. That's yep. it. Uh, you know, it, I know we've been talking about him for a minute now, but it really frustrated with me. People like when, when I hear, well, Kyle Shanahan made him, he should be, he should be thankful that he even has the opportunity that he has. It's like, what? Like, okay, yeah, Kyle Shanahan gave him an opportunity, but Kyle Shanahan isn't averaging seven yards a carry for him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, right, right, yeah. That. He's not, yeah, he's not, he's not making those guys miss. And, and yes, we all know that Kyle Shanahan sets people up for success, but you still have to go out there and do it. And we saw with somebody like Matt Breida, that doesn't always go well. And it doesn't right. always work out. You know, you got to still go out there and execute. And, and ain't nobody doing that for you. So, tappy tap, tap, tap. A little tap, tap, tap a Give it a little tappy. <laughs> getting pissed. And then I think right after that, so he's like, get in your home, ball. Yeah, he was there. He got in your home. I think that's when he got beat up by uh, Bob Barker. Yeah, yeah, right. This guy sucks. And then, he loses <laughs> it. and then he loses it and goes at him and Bob Barker knocks him out with a headbutt. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. The price is wrong, Bobby. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, that's, that's such a classic. I got to go back and watch that. But anyways, as you can tell, we're pretty much done here. Now we're just basically talking back and forth in Happy Gilmore. But 
as always, I appreciate everybody who listens to the podcast, especially given the fact that we're always right around an hour or over an hour. So you got to really love us to stick around this long, and we appreciate you guys. You can find me at, on Twitter at Rob underscore Louder, L-O-W-D-E-R. Excuse me, and you can find Eric at Eric underscore Crocker. Hit us up anytime. Tell us if you like the show. Tell us if we're wrong. Tell us if we're right. Tell us how much you love Happy Gilmore um, and all that stuff. And uh, just keep sticking around. Like I said, we wouldn't be able to do this without you guys. So I appreciate everybody for uh, for always for all the support. And we do see you guys when you when you hit us up on Twitter and all that jazz. But well, for another week, that's it for us. And this is Striking Gold signing out. Hashtag pay George Kittle. Peace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.